The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. I'm grimacing because it was such an opportunity. Possession-wise, I thought they were good, but they didn't have the cutting edge and they don't have Sam Kerr. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Somebody's critics, these pundits. Generally speaking, I'd be a fan of off the ball. Exactly, and I told me that was football, obviously, listening to football pod the odd time. And I was looking at the power rankings and I thought that Jesus Owen would still be feeling the effects of these mushrooms. But they just dismiss you like, you, you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion. No mushrooms today, Tommy Rooney. Good morning to you. Oh, you're on mute. Not today, Jer. Good morning. How are you? Hi, Very Johnny. Well. Very well. Uh, oh, thanks. No, no controversies this week. Although we, we should, um, uh, RTE have had to fire back at the uh, the loud lads, saying that there's no conspiracy against them, and that there was just a, a just an administrative issue that prevented them from being there for the historic uh, loud surge. RTE last night That's denied it. claims their lack of coverage of high flying louds division two campaign is related to a long running dispute with Mickey Hart. Uh, Gavin Devlin, Hart's right-hand man and Loud, believes the issue is down to an historic disagreement with Hart and urges RTE to see it through a Loud lens. He understands why leading figures in the county are annoyed that Loud are the only side in Division 2 not to have received any RTE television coverage this spring. Loud go to Croke Park on Sunday to face Dublin. Obviously, they'll get that one, you know. So, uh, let's get to it, because Loud, I think, are one of the big risers this week, right? They are one of the big risers, and... For the people allowed, they can be happy to know that Paddy Andrews took a stand for them this week. He's sick of not having any loud footage to go off, so he is uh, going to Crow Park. Oh, hi, Bailey. What does Bailey think of... Uh... This is Bailey's time for a walk in the morning, Jer, so I might be in a little bit of bother on air this morning. I think Bailey, actually. Bailey's just over two, Johnny. So good, he's, like, uh, she or she? It's a heat. He's got the loveliest eyelashes in the world as well they're about two foot long I'm looking so. forward to when he's like getting on a bit and you can call him old Bailey you know hey. oh, I can't wait for that as well was that on purpose is yeah. there like a, a legal thing <laughs> Rumpole there's a reference <laughs> right uh, I, got, I got it don't okay. be saying I didn't get that I got that I'm just trying to get somebody to get the dog it wasn't so uh, much okay. it wasn't so much you as our, as our audience oh. are all like oh my god uh, but I, look it was when I was growing up we had two channels and everything was on repeat so I'm very familiar with stuff from like the 50s and 60s of BBC that RT where I was getting for nothing that were like just on heavy duty repeat and like, well, this looks very old, but like seems to just about be in colour. One of my earliest memories is like Liverpool v Crew in a cup game and I found it on YouTube where like um, it was, the, you know, the way it was the worst, like BBC was just coming in. You could vaguely see it and Liverpool won like 4-0 in those old green Carlsberg jerseys. But like we had two channels. We literally had two we channels, too, uh, yeah. including the national anthem and the end of the night. just thing they had at the end of the night. A prayer before bedtime. Mm. Uh, right, let's get going. <laughs> uh, there, are a fair, there are a fair few changes here, lads. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. I'll run you through them really quickly. So, are we on slide four? We are on slide four. Okay. So, Waterford. The Waterford footballers got their first win in over 600 days of the weekend. Went under the radar a little. They bet London by 2-9 to 2-5. They did incredibly well. Um, had a black card and conceded a penalty, I think, in the first half. So, um, if Fitzgerald and Waterford... Fair play, um, big thing to get that first win off the back. So they've now replaced London and they've moved into 31st place. Their first move in the power rankings, I would imagine, in a long time, even under the stewardship of Owen Sheehan. Uh, Tipperary have continued to slide back there in 27th place. Relegation was confirmed at the weekend with defeat to Offaly. Wicklow were up 126th. Despite another late draw, Wicklow still have a great shout of promotion 
And if they beat Waterford and Sligo beat Leitrim, Oshie McConville will have secured promotion in his first year as manager. So, big move for Wicklow. Leash lost to Leitrim. They've slipped back one. And it could have been so simple if they'd beaten them. If they'd held on and beaten them, they would have promotion in their own hands. Likewise at Wicklow, if they had held off Wexford and beaten them by a point, they would have promotion in their own hands. They're pipped at the death by Leitrim and now they need a win against London plus a Sligo defeat and hope that Wicklow don't cash them and score difference. That's how Division 4 is looking. The other two, when we get on to our next slide, we've got Leitrim in 24th position. They're up to another brilliant win. They held off Leash at home. They had had a habit over the last couple of weeks of taking a lead in the middle of the second half and just falling away in the last 15 minutes. This time they went five up with 15 minutes to go and they won by two. So good signs in Leitrim and they're in a do or die clash at home once more against a tabletop in Sligo. I would argue that Carrick and Shannon, again, it's not being televised, so loud fans, it can be emphasised, but I would argue that Carrick and Shannon is the only place to be this Sunday What's, at one What o'clock. stamp is he putting on the team? Um, so we've had very little footage to go off, Johnny, but I can tell you that um, I had a look at some of the Wicklow game and they have they play a very direct style. They've got a superstar with Keith Byrne there and Keith Byrne was named in the team of the week four weeks in a row. They're not afraid to go direct to Byrne against Leash in the last couple of minutes when Leash were on, on the attack. Um, Byrne won two unbelievable marks, kicked two huge scores in the last couple of minutes. They have a clutch forward there. They're a very valuable commodity in every division in Gaelic football. But if you've got somebody who can put the ball over the bar in Division 4 and you know how to get the best out of them, you're going to do well. And Leach, we're doing that with Keith Byrne. They've got a really athletic middle third, um, which is really important. Um, and yeah, they play a fairly direct style of football. That some of the scores in that Wicklow game, like Paul Keeney scored a point from... 55 yards with the outside of the right boot. He wasn't afraid to take the shot. That Andy would have been proud of. I'm not sure if Andy Moran would have even taken that shot on, but Keeney took it on. And a few (laughs) minutes later, uh, the wing back, I can't remember exactly who had had the ball, drove a 50-yard ball into Keith Byrne, who skinned the full back, dummied the goalkeeper and put it in the back of the net. Now, Wicklow came back and beat them, but they're obviously playing with a bit of freedom, a bit of abandon, a bit of confidence and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing them this weekend. I'm hoping to get up to the game on Sunday. Let's keep going. Come on. So Sligo 23rd, Antrim, one of the results of the weekend, they bet Calvin, they secured um, their position in Division 3. Armagh fans don't sleep on Antrim. They've been quietly one of the most improved teams in the division this year. Um, they had a poor year last year. They've bounced back this year. They've lost two games in injury time, but they're safe. Leitrim have slipped back to 21st. It's been a really... They, they've slipped back Limerick. three points, actually. Sorry, yeah, Limerick, yeah. L- Limerick, sorry. It's been a really tough 2023 so far. Relegation confirmed at the weekend as they failed to turn over Kildare after they bombed out the manager so they didn't get the manager bounce that they were hoping for. Um, Down have slipped back one. Down have been really unlucky. Um, I tipped them at the start of the year to go up. They've pervert, preserved their 100% home record with another win, but a costly late defeat for Mana means that they cannot secure promotion on the last day because of the head-to-head rule. They need to reach the Ulster final this year to compete for Sam, and they've got Donegal in that Ulster quarterfinal, um, which I'm saying to keep an eye on, and I've said that from January. Offaly are up two places. Offaly ended an incredibly difficult week last week after the passing of their manager, Liam Kearns, by beating Tipperary and leaving themselves in with a really good shed of promotion in the final day against Down. They're up against Down in the last game. Fermanagh in 18th place, one of the stories of the league, five wins and a defeat. Um, another win at the weekend. They held off Westmead, who have been really disappointing in the league, you'd have to say. Um, and now they have to beat Cavan on the final day to go up. So for Fermanagh, it's simple. You beat Cavan, who are already promoted and may have an eye on the league final already. You beat Cavan and you go up. But if Fermanagh lose to Cavan 
and awfully beat down, awfully will join Cavan in Division 2 next year. Cavan have slid back two places to minus two. They were 10 points down at the weekend to Antrim. They came back and, and lost by one. Maybe they already have an eye on Ulster in the league final. Um, the, it, it's looking like they may have to reach the league final to get to Sam unless Westmead get to the Leinster final and then that position becomes free. Uh, it is still a, quite a complicated system. We'll, we'll know about nine teams that are in Sam Maguire. Yeah, the Ulster final. Yeah, yeah. Go on. The weekend. So, Kildare, after quite a slide over the last couple of weeks, I am giving them their kudos. They got their three goals, their first three goals of the league. They're into 16th place. They got the job done on Limerick. It was not convincing, but they got the job done. Um, and beating Mead next week, I would argue, is important for a couple of reasons. It's important for your positioning in Division 2. And if Kildare don't want to play in Sam Maguire, and I put it to James O'Donoghue and Paddy Anders in the football pod last night, would it be a good thing for teams like Mead and Kildare to compete in Sam? Should they actually compete there? The lads actually felt that the profile of the Mead team meant, there's, I think the average age I've put to them is around 24, meant that maybe Sam Maguire or Tatchin Cup could be the good right thing for Mead because they were so naive and... <laughs> Uh, there is clearly talent there, but for the Kildare players and fellas that are stuck at Daniel Flynn, Kevin Flynn, Kerwin, uh, Kevin Feely, Dara Kerwin, players that are a little bit older, that are a little bit more settled, they need to be competing in Sam Maguire and showing what they're about. So um, Kildare in 16th place and that that's a big game next weekend against the... Uh, <laughs> I uh, I think I might be in full agreement with Bailey that uh, me, they're getting a bit of a soft ride here after... Their performance last weekend. I don't know. If, so, um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Westmead have slipped back two places. Promotion's out of reach. They will compete in Sam. It's been a very weird league. They've scored 13 goals. They've conceded one. I I, I had them in for promotion with Calvin. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a letdown now, Westmead. Westmead have, let the, air, let, have let the air come out of the balloon. Because they, they, like we everybody talks about the, the scenes last year when they won the Talchin Cup. And then obviously some of their club teams went deep. And mm-hmm. you thought, okay, this is the rising tide and Division 2 football is next. Have a season in Division 2 where you, you kind of establish yourselves. But that didn't happen. They're now an established Division 3 side and they'll be back in the Talton Cup next year, almost irrespective of what happens. 100% year. And uh, yeah, it's the yo-yo continues. And that's what you're trying to break for a lot of these counties. You're trying to just reach beyond mediocrity and get a bit of momentum behind you. And we'll get to a team now that have done it remarkably well since 2021 in Loud. But Westmead, back to 15th. I can't see them getting much higher than that. Um, I got a lot of stick for having them quite high early on, but that's where I felt they deserved to be at the start of the season. So, and they let you down. Uh, come at me. In 14th place, this hurt. Um, but I do actually think it's fair. Mead are in 14th place. I actually couldn't move them any further. And it just shows the stock of teams around this position. There are a lot of teams that aren't playing well at the minute. And like, what did you expect at the weekend? You probably expected Mead to have a, a better structure. It was actually alarming how easy they made it for Dublin. It was such a disappointment. Um, Colin O'Rourke spoke about it last July, that beating Mead, or beating Dublin as a Mead footballer is still the, the litmus test, you could say. He doubled down on it in the Tommy Tiernan show in February and said that, man-to-man battles could you go and play against them that was the big thing and it just seems like Mead are set up to fail at the weekend is, where is Colm O'Rourke at at the moment Colm O'Rourke is at Colm O'Rourke is a, a there's a really good team around Colm O'Rourke uh, and Stephen Bray Barry Callaghan um, uh, Paul Garrigan and Shane Wall I feel like they need to look at the Derry defeat 
They need to look at the Dublin defeat. Take the positives and the negatives from the league. It's very early on, but they need to possibly set up the way they did in the second half, which is much more secure, but it was far too late. Um, I feel like there is a bit of a... <sighs> there's a full back line there, two 21-year-olds and a 27-year-old, all in their first year playing inter-county football. And did they not, and fall, they out, did they not fall out with the best full back in the country who apparently is down in Australia? I, I, I don't know I don't know if there was a fallout there. My, I, I, I have to do a bit of digging on that, but it is fair to say that Conor McGill was one of the um, club player of the year strongest club player of the year in Mead he was the captain of Rototo the club championship the club champions one of the strongest footballers you could say in the Mead in, in the county you could say that condition some people were saying was an issue against the Dubs I'll tell you one thing Conor McGill had no problem with conditioning um, he's one of the most athletic fullbacks in the country I can't tell you what happened I don't know what happened there well, I don't know why he's not in the squad I, but like you're missing fellas like McGill Brian Menton wasn't convinced to come back as far as I know and he's another player who is a real leader and a rock in the middle of that team. I, You would have heard me argue for years under Andy McEntee that Mead were better than they were given credit for. And they were coming up against the greatest Dublin team of all time. And I felt like Mead deserved a bit more credit for how they were getting on. And they weren't far off. They were trying to assist them. Now that hit its peak and it slid backwards. But the complete spine of what McEntee had done has been completely ripped out. And I've been saying since the start under O'Rourke that a marriage of styles is needed. I do think that the players, there's a very young core of players coming through. They're very, 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 very talented. They do need a bit of a, they do need to be allowed to express themselves and play with a bit of freedom. But the complete spine has been written out of what Mead have done for six years. And I don't think that should have been done. O'Rourke is in danger of becoming Gary Neville of Valencia. That's what is happening at the moment. And so he needs to get a grip of the situation really quickly and decide what they want to be. Do they want to play modern football that's ready for the challenges of Division 2? Bear in mind, this is Division 2 we're talking about where they're getting hockeyed in games. And uh, we'll see come championship what happens. But it's, it's careering off path quickly. And look, it, I know. Look, I'm. I'm going to put on the record before the clip goes out. You said Gary Neville, not me. Just before this clips up and my name gets put to it, you said Gary Neville, not me. But I would say that that management team have to be good enough to recognise the lessons that they've learned so far, and they've got to be able team. to turn this around. To be fair, it is a management like, team. Like, well, Rourke has to. Like you look at you look at the way the loud players talk about Mickey Hart. Mm. It's not just Mickey Hart. They talk about Gavin Devlin, horse they call him, being, and they believe the best coach in the country and James O'Donoghue said on the pod this week it doesn't matter if he's the best coach or not all that matters is that you believe it Mm. and it's such a powerful Mm. thing when a group a group of players and a management team are all moving in the same direction and I have to say for me that's the placebo effect it's very early early. it's very early Ger okay okay. it's up and down could be too late and I think it's fair that Mead are 14th I don't think Mead should be any worse Well, I I think if Calera beat them this weekend they should definitely be behind them like they fluked a draw against Limerick who are like not even on the same sheet as them they probably should have beaten Limerick to be honest they like I watched that game back they should have beaten Limerick Um, and Limerick were buoyed I would imagine by the fact that as a team as a group powerfully they had decided to get rid of Ray Dempsey so but he was still in charge of that game wasn't he yeah, but I would say that the meeting had already happened for the Limerick players, and I think they, there's a bit of freedom there for Limerick. So interesting so take. That, okay, that, that was, we, I think they got their manager bounce before Clare. They are gymnastics. There's Nadia Comaneci, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, okay, okay. Uh, perfect gymnastics. Time. Okay, but I do think Mead are 14th in the country, and I actually think if they get into the Touching Cup, they deserve to be in the Touching Cup, and what? they may fall there even if they beat Clare because if Cork beat Derry, Cork could get fourth place, and that should be enough. Luckily. So, Luckily, uh, the game's in Newbridge from Mead's perspective and uh, the record there is horrific at the moment. Let's move on because there's actually Division 1 that we should be talking about. 
Exactly, and it's a sorry argument to be getting into about who's going to win between Mead and Kildare because they're just two ball men fighting over a comb, as we might would say. But yeah, but I'm going to say the Mead under twenties had a big win last night. Uh, They held off Longford in difficult conditions and they've struggled against Longford. So there is hope in Mead because there are young footballers coming through. But it's just something has to be tweaked over what's happened. Lessons have to be learned. Let's move on to the team. Thirteen place, Clare. Um, People are going to say I should have Clare lower, and I, I probably. Should but I, I talk about me being lucky and they probably are the luckiest team in Division Three. They should be in a rele- Division Two. They should be in a relegation battle this weekend if they had drawn to Limerick. If they hadn't turned over Cork in that last fifteen minutes in the first game, and we saw what Cork have done since, Clare should have a shot at staying up. But you make your own luck in many ways, and they've completely run out of steam in the last couple of weeks. They have one last hope to stay in Sam Maguire, and when you argue with the profile of a team. I think this Clare team fancied themselves as a side who would have a crack in an All-Ireland series, in a round-robin series. They got to the last eight last year. Um, but they're in Division 3 next year, so that's that's where they're at, and uh, they're going to have to um, bounce back from from a tough position. They've had eight years in Division 2. It's the first relegation under Colin Collins, um, but two defeats to Clare and Dublin by a point in round three and four were key. So Cork in Munster quarterfinal April 9th I'm telling you that's another game to keep an eye on Championship games are coming thick and fast and that is going to be a cracker in the, in the Munster quarterfinal So 12th position <clears throat> the moment Loud fans have been waiting for I was reminded last night lads that I actually gave Loud an outside shot at Leinster last year so I'm just putting that out there that I, I give them an outside shot at Leinster so I don't deserve all the stick I've been getting for having Loud where they were I'll be honest I didn't fully believe that they would be able to do what they've done this year and that is credit to what Mickey Hart and Gavin Devon have done and to what that group of players have done because they are missing their two marquee men yeah. they're missing Kieran Byrne who played professional football for six years and I can imagine sets so many standards around that group and you know maintains them and it's so important to have around the place and they're missing Samuel Roy that talisman who was out with a hamstring injury they're missing two or three others like I watched them against Clare they had three first half injury enforced substitutions that day same against Mead they had three first half injury enforced substitutions they're down to the the thin bones of their panel and they are operating like it doesn't matter and the, the manner in which they're set up like they're crying like, the likes of Mead and Clare are crying out to have a set up the way they would have. Like last year, they conceded every kickout. And this year, they've got a full court press with their goalkeeper winning kickouts in midfield. They just believe in what they're doing. And it's such a powerful thing. And they are rightfully, I'm going to say it right now, I didn't say it last week because I actually thought Cork would turn them over and it would save me a couple of weeks. I wanted to wait until the Leinster quarterfinal until they face Westmead. Louder, the second best team in Leinster at the minute. I don't think it's the greatest, you know, trophy to be winning, but they deserve to be there and they've earned it because they've gone from Division 4 in 2021 to being on the verge of making it to Division 1 in 2023 and Dublin had it all their own way last week against Mead and I hope it filled them with a false sense of security because there is no hope in hell that Loud are going to give it to them their own way in Crow Park this weekend you'd much um, so. you'd much rather be Loud than Kildare or Mead at the moment so I don't think it's that controversial and, and Westmead as well after the, the league campaign so okay uh, let's keep going yeah so Loud are in 12th position uh, Cork are in 11th they lost at the weekend I would argue that Cork again luck comes into it but Cork were unlucky at the weekend they were in a very commanding position against Loud conceded a penalty before half time it was missed rebound was scored um, they had a man sent off Loud got the benefit of, of playing against 14 men for the entire second half 
for the second or third week in a row and that in Gaelic football is a, is a big thing. Uh, Donegal are in 10th position and we know what's going on in Donegal. Not worth talking about there going back into it. Monaghan are in ninth. I think they're going to join Donegal in Division 2 next year. Roscommon have slipped back one more even though they put on a decent showing against Kerry. Uh, it's a wee slide but they can still reach the league final albeit it's a long shot um, if results go their way and they beat Donegal. Might be worth talking about these two. Tyrone are up at one place. Um, I've been impressed with how they've bounced back after that limp defeat to Casabar. I was at that game against Mayo and it was alarming the systems malfunction that had unfolded in front of us. Um, but it's a very interesting game against Armagh next week and we'll get a good gauge of where both Armagh and Tyrone are really at because Tyrone bounced back. Armagh, it's like, I don't think Armagh are far away. And I can really understand why they've done what they've done. I know people are probably frustrated with it. We all loved Armagh last year. I talked Armagh up plenty. We loved the way they played football. There was a, a, a box office rock star element to it. And I think they sat down and they looked at what happened against Galway and in a lot of their other games. And they were far too reliant on emerging out of the chaos, the right side of it. And maybe they want to bring a bit more control into what they're doing. And that's what they've tried to do. They've set up a lot more defensively. They've become a lot more um, conservative with the ball. James and Paddy are begging them to let loose this weekend and show us that they still have what they had last year because that is what made Armagh special. I think we will see it because Armagh are in danger of going down if uh, Monaghan managed to turn over Mayo. And I know Shane describes Monaghan as the cockroach of the Division 1 and it's a fair moniker. I don't think that's going to happen this week. I think Armagh will be safe either way. But I do think Armagh are going to throw the shackles off. And we've mentioned it before, momentum, when the championship is so close and they've got Antrim coming up, Armagh need a performance and a result this weekend. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they're doing a heavy block of training and they're not tapering for these games and they don't give a shit about the league. And that, that's a totally fair way to go about things. But I think um, we were chatting about this earlier on in the week. Uh, it's a long era that we've had wikis are there and a national trophy at the end of that to say this is progress. Like, I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they limp out of Ulster and then we see something brilliant from them in the round robin. That's not a million miles away from how Geezer has, like, traditionally over the 14 years of his managerial career, um, that's how the season has worked out for them. Okay, let's keep going. It could happen. Well, you know, it's worth hanging on at this point for a second. So I think Tyrone are back, by the way. I mean, I, oh, I was like, I was getting absolutely hammered uh, last season when I was like, oh, this Tyrone team, they're not the shit all Ireland champions that everybody says they are. They're actually really good. They've got a spine of brilliant players and they're like, no, it's the worst all Ireland final I've ever seen. They're the worst team since Cork 2010. And then it was like, you go back and you watch those Cork Kerry games and that Cork team were amazing. Who like, were very unfortunate not to win more than that. So, I don't know. I think... Um, so, so, Sorry, I totally agree with you that they were they were full value for their All Ireland win. Toronto back, but no, hold on. Let's not discount last year. Last year they tanked like mm-hmm. they that was one of the poorest All Ireland defenses we've seen in a long time, and it can happen. And let's park that. Are they back? They're showing signs, and I do think that one of the positives, and I'm not sure if you've seen much from Jer, but Derek Canavan is it's it's starting to grab the the bull by the horns. And Rory is getting a couple of minutes every game. And I think that the two of them are going to have a big influence over them this year. And some of the younger lads at Cormac Quinn are starting to solidify themselves and put a bit of energy back into this Toronto team. So, so I. Maybe they were right. a season ahead. Oh, the, you win nothing with kids. But this year, they're not kids anymore. So, okay, very quickly. Possibly. So, very quickly, 
Okay, Derry are fifth, Dublin are fourth, Mayo are third, Galway are second, Kerry are first. We can have an argument here if you want, right? But what you said there about our man, the training block was interesting. I put it to James every week now, are you worried about Kerry? Are you worried about Kerry? No, Kerry are flat, nothing to worry about. James says, big training block coming up now. That's what Kerry are focused on. They're not playing, they're going to play Tipper Waterford in the third week of April. The Dubs, I think, are out the third week of April as well. Maybe it's not the worst thing, and I'm not saying they're going to do it or it's going to happen, but if Armagh were to lose to Antrim, they would have a month, minimum, five, six weeks, until they're in the All-Ireland round-robin series and then they're guaranteed three games. That's the way the setup is this year. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for an Ulster side who are guaranteed to play in Sam to lose early doors and get their training block in. Like in previous years, it might be the most straightforward way for a team to get conditioned properly because the calendar is so insane this year. It's so hard to know exactly where teams are at, especially the teams that are expecting to be in the latter end of the championship. I hadn't thought about that from a Mayo perspective. Maybe that's the right thing for them to do as well. Because they can win they can win a gazillion games to get to an All-Ireland semi-final or final and then find themselves completely depleted. Or they can lose in the first round of the Connacht Championship and have a month off. And that is a very good comparison because the way I, I looked at this earlier in the year, I think Armagh could win the All-Ireland this year in 13 games because they're playing the preliminary round in, in Ulster. Galway, who are already in the Connacht semi-final, could do it in eight. Mm. That's the way it is. If they if they go clean through, if Armagh go to back door, or if they if they go clean through Ulster, it's, it's thirteen games. Ulster says no. Ulster says no to a fair no, championship. Don't. Ulster says no. They don't want proposal <laughs> B. Ulster says no. Screw you. We need to we need to punish our teams for playing all these games in, in Ulster. What were they thinking? Yeah. Anyway, and, and it's the exact same for a Clare or a Limerick who are now in Division Three and looking at the Tatchin Cup. The same way that Cavan down for Man are who Cavan down for Man who all have had a bit of momentum. Clare and Limerick, you know. It's going the other way, but Clare and Limerick only need to win. Clare need to beat Cork and then beat Limerick to get to a monster final and, and retain the place of Sam. Cavan or Fermanagh are on the, you know, a much tougher proposition. More of that goodness, of course, on the football pod with uh, Tommy and yes. Paddy and James. Tommy, good stuff. non contentious power rankings. Thanks very much. That's this week's Enjoy. episode. And Bailey. Tommy knows his football, obviously, listening to football pod the odd time. And I was looking at the power rankings and I thought that Jesus' own must still be feeling the effects of these mushrooms. 